We're live. Intro didn't play. I'm not quite sure what happened there, but we are live with Tracy Conan, and Tracy is going to help me with the morass of financial chicanery, aka the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. How are you doing today, Tracy? I'm great. How are you, Eric? I'm doing well. Now, you are a certified forensic accountant. I'm a certified public accountant and I'm certified in financial forensics. So you were so close. See, but that's why you're here. You're the expert. You're going to keep me in line. And I want to talk to you about what is going on with the case. Just a quick overview. I know you have not had the hours and hours and hours to watch all the testimony out there. You've watched little pieces of it. And there are elements that I'm sure with your expertise, you can kind of extrapolate. Right. I was super interested in the testimony of Edward Wright, Edward White, because they were talking about the numbers. So that was something I got to dig into a little bit. Okay. Now, Edward White, um, just to qualify, did not testify as an expert, even though he is an expert and he's also certified like you, I believe. It's just he was not doing it in this particular trial. He is. He has the same uh, credentials as me, and he apparently does testify as an expert witness, but he is, um, I believe they called him the business manager for Johnny Depp, and so really managing his money and paying bills on his behalf and things like that. So in this case, he is a fact witness. So um, as a fact witness, you're treated a little bit differently uh, than you would be as an expert witness, but his testimony really came across as that of an expert witness. And I'm sure they wanted, am I incorrect to assume that he's a really good fact witness because he can slide some of that expert in there? I think so. And in fact, there was an objection as they were going through some of his background and things like that. There was an objection to stop that because he's not an expert and they didn't need to go through all of his qualifications and things like that. Uh, but he was really well prepared for this. You know, he knew all the numbers off the top of his head. And and so he he was really doing an excellent job as a witness. Okay. Now, I want to go into that a little bit because I did feel watching his testimony that, you know, he he has a great presence, very dignified, like, like you've been around the block. I mean, he came off like a complete expert on direct, but then he seemed to be a little bit touchy. So, you know, I always struggle. I, I hate to criticize other experts because, you know, I could be criticized as well, but here's the thing. When you are learning to become a witness, you are taught to answer the question that was asked, no more, no less, give a truthful answer, give a complete answer, but you don't want to volunteer things and you don't want to become argumentative. And so what I saw him doing on cross is adding things in. So they were asking him a question. Did I read your testimony from this transcript correctly? And he would go launch into an explanation kind of of why he testified that way. And that really wasn't the question that was asked. So the better practice as a witness is to answer the question, which is, yes, you answered that correctly. And if there's follow-up that needs to be done or an explanation that needs to be made, you have to wait till it comes back to the attorney on your side asking questions, doing that, what they call the redirect. Now, I know that that's technically what's supposed to be there, but I, I see some maneuvering going on with the witnesses. And one methodology that seems to come up is the really good ones won't answer yes. They will say, 
I was stating such and such, yes. And so they backload the actual answer, but slide in like a little phrase or, or so, um, qualify. So sure, sometimes we finesse it a little bit to, to try to bring that point home, but you have to be careful. And I, I think what Mr. White failed to do was he failed to uh, see that maybe the judge kind of wasn't going to allow that kind of thing too much or that he was being a little too aggressive with it or coming off as argumentative. So um, I think I think he would have been better off, you know, answering less and not appearing so argumentative and defensive. Okay, so let's get into the meat of it, though, because you got a chance to look at the numbers. And the only thing I noticed about the numbers is, man, her wine is expensive. And boy, do they have a luxury lifestyle. They sure do. They, yeah, the bottles of wine and the lifestyle. I mean, yeah, they spent a lot of money, but in, in fairness, you know, they make a bunch of money. So who cares how much they spend? Um, except for the fact that if you're trying to make a point that she was being wasteful of money that he earned, that might be a good point to make. Um, so I, you know, I don't get too wound up about how much necessarily is being spent in, in a lifestyle like that. I mean, one of the divorces that I worked on about six, seven years ago was for a billionaire. Um, at the time, his net worth was $5 billion and growing. Ooh. And I had to go through every single expense of their family for a five-year period, literally every dime that they spent as a family. And I was classifying it and deciding which family member benefited from it and such. And, you know, when you see what people of a certain level of wealth spend, you sort of get a little desensitized to it. And so I don't get real wound up as I was hearing this testimony. Well, this bottle of wine was $500. It's like, meh, that, you know, that's like me buying, probably buying a $4 bottle of wine, you know? So. Yeah. When you have $5 billion, the interest he's accumulating is probably fa growing faster than a lot of people can spend in 10 years of their life. Right. Right. Which is, I, I understand that's staggering. And I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but um, I love my Apple watch. And I remember when they first came out and they had the gold Apple watches, which are identical internally to the Apple watch. The only difference is the surface material, $10,000 to $20,000. And they pointed out that, yes, but that's fashion. And that is for like Chinese, very wealthy business people who will drop that on a flight. So it means very right. little to them. They're like, oh, it's same as a plane ticket. Just boom, buy it. So I can intellectually grasp it. It still hurts my soul to consider though. Right. It's $500 for a bottle of wine. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope it was good stuff. <laughs> and I do think that they did hit the wasteful because they asked how much, um, how much is his wine budget now? And he's like, well, really nothing. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, Okay, so how would you, if you were arguing each side, how would you argue the case against the other? So strictly on the numbers thing, you know, I liked the approach on Johnny's side of asking this witness, like, how much in total did Amber get out of this divorce? Right. Because we keep hearing about seven million, seven million, mm -hmm. seven million. And the thing is that Mr. White testified that really she received 14.25 million in total benefits from this. And so what he did was he added 
what Johnny paid to her charities. There was a couple hundred thousand there. There was 6.8 million paid directly to her. So there's the seven that we normally talk about. But Mr. White also talked about the fact that Johnny paid down what he called the community liabilities that they accumulated during the marriage. So all the debts that were run up between the two of them while they were married, that was $13.5 million. So if you take half of that and assign it to her, that's where, that's how you get up to in total, she had, you know, $14 million in benefit. They also uh, mentioned that Johnny paid her attorneys $500,000 because that was part of the settlement or the demand or whatever the case may be. So that's how we get up to $14.25 million. Um, so super interesting if you look at the totality of what went out the door relative to the divorce. Yeah. And, um, if he can prove his defamation claim, he had major losses yes. afterward because of that. Right. And and this this part that they're doing is all about damages, correct? Oh, that's a good question. So I zeroed in on what the testimony was uh, from Mr. White, but I didn't I didn't um, I did not. Uh, I didn't consider why, how that played into the damages. I mean, cause right. A divorce settlement isn't damages in a defamation case, but um, I think probably they're trying to make an overall argument about how she's just cost him over and over and over. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I, and that could be it. I, I just don't know. I, I know that the overall, and this is where the whole case is so confusing because technically it's not an abuse trial. It's not, uh, anything other than a defamation case. She said, I am the face for domestic abuse. And he's saying that's defamation. It, it was a hoax. She lied. That, But it, it's funny because we're talking about everything in the world, but that one little basic element of the case, which is the most fascinating thing of all. It is astounding to me how this has gone on and on and on. <laughs> Okay, so that's the Johnny Depp side. And in terms of, you know, finances and money and stuff, it seems like, yeah, he could probably very easily prove money going out the door to the security teams with this, with that. I mean, there's just so much money just flowing like a river. How would Amber Heard prosecute her side? Because she is countersuing and also going for damages herself. Well, so, you know, if I were her, I would be saying it doesn't really matter what I got in the divorce because that was the divorce settlement. And if he didn't like it, he shouldn't have agreed to it. Right. Um, now, I don't know what damages she thinks that she suffered relative to the alleged defamation of him. I guess is she's, she's saying that he defamed her as well and damaged her in that regard. Yes, she's um, claiming that he did through his lawyer, uh, Mr. Walden, I believe his name is, uh, through the statements and she's lost her stellar career and you know that she's on the same level as Jason Momoa, or at least there's a witness who was placing her adjacent to Jason Momoa and Chris Pine and Gal Gadot and I think it's Samora and many other legendary figures. I think it's interesting when you try to make a case that way and make these comparisons to these other actors and actresses because you really how do you fairly compare them? Now I'm a numbers person so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say okay 
let's look at Amber and what she was earning in the various roles that she had. And let's try to find other actors who had similar levels of earnings and see what's happened. And that would be sort of uh, a way that you could establish a basis for making some of these calculations. But then ultimately, who knows? One person's career continues on, one person's career tanks. I mean, you can look at all sorts of people in Hollywood who had successful things going on and were on an upswing. And then all of a sudden, you know, who knows why their careers kind of come to a screeching halt. How do we know that her career didn't stall maybe because of her own behavior, maybe because just whatever types of roles that she normally had played, there wasn't a call for that anymore. Or, or there was someone else who was more, um, more desired for those roles. There's so many things that go into trying to establish damages in a case like this. Yeah, and especially, ironically, with this particular testimony, she's serving a dual purpose, saying that Johnny Depp is no longer relevant and that the Pirates of the Caribbean is a tired franchise and kind of a sagging. So not so many damages there, but Amber Heard is an up-and-comer. And, and it's funny having because she's literally having to argue against herself at any given point. Right. And I'm curious, how do you as an expert, because, okay, first off, as an expert, you are working for a side. Right. So we're always being paid for a side and there's always an accusation that we're a hired gun. What mm -hmm. I try to do and what I try to tell my clients is I'm going to be as objective as possible. I get that you want me to advance your arguments and I'm going to look for strategies that will help advance your arguments and stuff, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to stretch the truth. There are cases where I've been brought in to look at damages or look at a potential fraud. And I've looked at the information and I've come back to the attorney and said, I've got to be honest with you. The opinion that I have to give in this case would not be helpful to you. So I'm going to advise that you fire me before I write a report and let's just call it quits. And, you know, and I walk them through, here are the problems with your case. Here's where you want to go with this. And I can't even support that. I'm going to look silly. My credibility is going to be terrible. So let's not even go there. Okay. And in fairness of the hired gun, I have heard the alternate argument too, that those expert witnesses who testify for no pay are considered zealots and have an agenda. Right. So it's it's kind of in a so I guess you are allowed to earn a, a reasonable wage as long as it's not too much money to care too much. So I understand you're in a, a bad position. Well, and no matter how much we earn, it's always brought up in court as if it's too much money, right? You're being paid, you know, in this case, I think they said um that Mr. White was being paid $710 per hour for his services. Oh my God. Um, I have to be honest with you for, for the location he lives in, for the job that he does, for the specialty that he's in, that doesn't strike me as unreasonable. He's been doing it for a long no. time. No. Um, I I'd say, especially in his case too, I think if he wasn't personally, he seemed personally aggrieved by the situation. Like it bothered him personally he runs his own organization. So he's not just a guy who pays Johnny's bills. His organization pays Johnny's bills. He doesn't do that from what I understand. He has people who do that. Right. And the guy who runs the entire company, in many ways, he could be seen as losing money sitting there in court. When right. He could be running his business. Right. So I, I don't know. That's an interesting point. So... 
from well, I guess you haven't seen much. Do you think that Mr. White and Johnny successfully proved their point in terms I, of expenses and damages? I, I think that the purpose that he was brought in for, you know, if it is to prove how much is going out the door, how much was, you know, ultimately uh, paid to Amber or on her behalf, I think he was a credible witness. And I think that he achieved that goal there. Perfect. One last question. What is the one question I should have asked you, but did not? About this trial or about anything else? I'll let you have it. <laughs> uh, you should have asked me how much Mr. White's firm has been paid by Mr. Depp since being retained in 2016. And the answer is millions of dollars. And so that, that's interesting. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's just interesting. Like, I w makes me wonder, like, what do they do on his behalf? They obviously do a lot of work on his behalf. Um, and, and so that's super interesting to me. All right. Well, Tracy, thank you so much. I'd love to have you on again. Thanks for having me. Love to come back.